Can we make more content to be successful? Can we increase the success rates, especially in the day in the age of technology and data science? Welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about the big picture, the purpose, and the values that drive today's most game-changing companies, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm your host, Lance Chung, Editor-in-Chief of Bay Street Bull, and I'll be introducing you to a group of brilliant minds who are making an impact on the world and forging the path ahead. While they may all be very different from one another, the question remains the same. What's your mission? Since the dawn of humanity, we've been enchanted and spellbound by the art of storytelling. From rich oral histories shared in wrapped intimate circles, to memes circulating on social media and capturing the humor and ethos of a new generation, the media may have evolved over time, but the utility remains the same. Use stories as a powerful vessel to archive history, create cautionary tales, escape with their imaginations, and provide critical lessons to pass along to those after us. Today, in a time characterized by the democratization of media, our ability to share stories has never been more powerful thanks to technology. Leading the charge of the next generation of storytellers is Wattpad, led by co-founder Alan Lau. The Toronto-based startup bills itself as a global multimedia entertainment company and is completely revolutionizing how we create and share stories. Think of them as a hybrid between a social network, an entertainment studio, and a publishing hub. According to them, their vision is to entertain and connect the world through stories. And it looks like it's working. They've amassed a community of more than 90 million people who collectively spend over 23 billion minutes a month engaged in original stories. They've helped launch writing careers and have even adapted user-generated stories into hit movies and TV shows. Needless to say, they know what it takes to tell a great story. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Alan about Wattpad, telling more diverse stories, and how to unearth the next big hit. Alan Lau, how are you? So great to have you on the show today. We're so excited to be chatting. Uh, good, good, good. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting few weeks and few months, but I think we collectively as a company and as a family, I think we, we are doing as good as it could be. Yeah, definitely very interesting and, and challenging times for a number of reasons right now. But I want to talk to you about obviously Wattpad and how you've grown the company and provide some inspiration and some motivation to, you know, some members of our audience that may be looking for that right now as well. So maybe we can start with Wattpad. You started your company with your co-founder back in 2007. Can you talk a little bit more about your origin story and the spark that really started the company? Did you have an aha moment or was it more an evolution that became Wattpad? Yeah, perhaps I'll start from the beginning and we, we started towards the end of 2006, 2007, around that time. But the the concept, the idea started uh, way before that. In fact, it started in year 2002. At that time, I was the CTO and co-founder of my first company. It's called Tira Wireless. It's a mobile gaming and mobile application publisher. And we also, not only we publish our own games and, and apps, uh, we also help other publishers to, to publish the games on mobile. Because at that time, uh, 
remember it, it was before the iPhone in 2002, before Android. So um, it was very challenging to, to publish you know, applications or, or content even on mobile devices. So uh, keep a long story short, I, I was excited about the, the business, but I also wasn't too excited about the business because what happened was we started as a mobile application provider and then uh, most of the apps that we publish and most of the apps that we have other companies uh, to, to publish, they, they were games. Uh, like 95% of the business became gaming business, but uh, I don't I don't play games. This is a tiny secret that a lot of people may not know. You know, I just threw out my PS2 not too long ago, a few years ago. So I'm pretty behind in terms of uh, gaming. So uh, in my spare time, I was thinking about, hmm, perhaps I I can find an idea that I could do in my spare time that combine my passion and my professional knowledge. I was very into mobile at the time, as, as I mentioned. But you look at my media consumption after work. I don't play games. Uh, I watch movies or TV once in a while, but it's not like I turn on the TV for five hours per day. It's, it's just not me. Well, where do I spend my time? Uh, reading. So uh, the, the first idea that came to my mind was, hey, perhaps I can combine mobile and reading into a, into the same package. So I built a mobile reading app on the Candy Bar Nokia phone and I did the prototype. And guess what? I quickly discovered that other than me, probably nobody else would want to use it because to finish reading a sentence, let alone a paragraph or a chapter, I have to scroll like three times. Uh, so you, you really have to press the down arrow a, a thousand times before you can even finish a chapter. It's very exhausting. So I realized, yeah, perhaps that might not be the right idea. Uh, put this idea aside. And then fast forward to year 2006, the most popular phone at that time, it was the Motorola Razr, the flip phone. So the uh, instead of the screen size was a little bit bigger. So instead of like scrolling, fitting like three sentences or three lines on the screen, I could read 10 lines of text at a time. So I thought, hmm, perhaps the, the technology behind electronic reading is, is more ready than 2002. So I resurrected that idea. At the same time, um, now my co-founder, uh, Wapak co-founder Ivan, uh, and I, I knew him way back in year 2002 because he also worked for Tira. But at, at that point in time, in year 2006, he, he was he moved to Vancouver and living in Vancouver. So he instant messaged me with the following message. Hey, Alan, I'm working on a new product idea. Can you give me some feedback? Here's the link. So I click on that link. Guess what I saw? He was working on a mobile reading app on the Razer phone as well. But uh, he was one step ahead of me. In addition to the app, he also built a website that people can share their writings freely and consume on mobile. As you can see, this is like the predecessor of Wattpad. So uh, I got very excited. Two days later, I flew to Vancouver to meet with him. And well, the rest is history. We started the company. You started the company and obviously you've grown it into this incredible business. I'm so excited to talk about it because I find this uh, idea of harnessing community to power and drive storytelling so interesting. But maybe you can talk about 
how exactly does Wattpad work in today's iteration? Yeah, in today's iteration, interestingly, a lot of people believe that we have pivoted a few times, but in fact, we haven't. What we did in 2006 or 2007, we're still doing this today, except that we have expanded into many different areas, which I'll come back to in in a few uh, seconds. But what we do today, our core business is we have an app that lets people discover and share stories. People share uh, science fiction. People share romance, uh, mostly fiction, but people sometimes they share their personal stories as well on, on the platform. People can share this freely on our platform. And then the app nowadays, we have 80 million monthly users using the app across the, the entire world in 50 different languages, not just reading in 50 languages, but also writing in 50 languages. So in a way, like you said, is we, we harness the community to create the stories, the content, many of them amazing content on our platform and consumed by millions of people, tens of millions of people across the world. And because we have so many people on the platform of the 80 million, about 4 million of them are writers and they upload about uh, half a million new chapters of content, of stories every day. So it's a very, very vibrant community. And because of that, in a way, the community is very good at self-selecting the the amazing content, the top content on the platform. So uh, leveraging the community and also data, the insights, and leveraging machine learning to harness that data as well. Leveraging that, we can pick the top stories on our platform, and then we take them off platform. Uh, We turn some of them into movies, some of them into TV shows, some of them into print books. Uh, We're getting into traditional publishing as well. And the sky is the limit because we, we are no longer just a technology company that's built an app for people to use, we are leveraging that to turn ourselves into a global multi-platform entertainment company. And that kind of leads me to my next question. Do you view yourselves as a technology company first or an entertainment company, a social networking platform? How do you define yourselves as a company first and foremost? It's a mixture. It's all of the above. We are, of course, a technology company. The platform that we built is very, very sophisticated in, in terms of machine learning and AI. We are one of the top companies in the world in harnessing uh, text-based content. So um, for sure, we are a technology company. At the same time, we are also a media company because uh, the way we monetize the way we attract our, our users, both readers and, and writers, is through time spent. People spend a lot of time on our platform. So by definition, we are, of course, a media company as well. At the same time, uh, we focus mainly on fiction, and fiction is all about entertainment. So I think we are a good mixture of all of the above. I don't think I would like to, like some other companies, oh, we are technology first company, we are media first company. I don't think it's the right frame because at the end of the day, we are both a community and a technology and a media company. We're doing all of the above. It's an intersection, a very interesting intersection of the uh, three forces that I talked about. Now, I was reading on your website, you outlined in 2016 a master plan for Wattpad. And you stated that your mission was to revolutionize how people discover, share and connect through stories. What does a revolution in storytelling mean to you? Yeah, when we look at how entertainment content is being produced, I would say in the past 50 years or even 100 years or even more, it has 
not been changed that much. Of course, people start to consume more content on digital devices. People are watching movies at home through streaming services uh, rather than going to a theater. But at the end of the day, if you talk about creation of the content, if you look at Hollywood, how they made movies 30 years ago, is exactly the same as they were today from a process perspective. Of course, the equipment is getting better. Of course, I'm not denying that, but uh, in terms of the creative process. And it's very top-down, very based on gut feel, very based on hunch, right? So as an example, many movies, I would say uh, pretty much all movies, the decision makers are maybe limited to maybe two to three people, five people, and how they make decisions. Very simple. I think it's a great story. I think it will do really well in, in the box office, but it's not based on fact. It's all based on subjectivity almost. Subjectivity, exactly. So that's why there are a lot of failures in TV shows and movies. Nine out of 10 shows got canceled after the first season because of the rating is not great enough. The box office heavily skewed towards the top closing. And if you look at the top 20 closing movies, I would say 15 of them are uh, superhero movies. That's the same franchise that existed for decades, right? So nothing nothing wrong with that. The issue is there's a lot of waste. There's a lot of failures. Can we make more content to be successful? Can we increase the success rate, especially in the day in the age of technology and data science? I'm not saying uh, data science can make the decision for us, but it can help us make more informed decisions. So interestingly, when you look at Wattpad, at, at the end of the day, our atomic unit on our platform is a story. And we, we know that through data, through the community, we know which story is great. We know which one would resonate. And if we can leverage that and harness that data and insight, I think we can greatly increase the success rate of the industry. Now, whether or not it's a book or a movie or a TV show, what do you think are the core pillars that make a great story? Are there any, is there a common thread between all these different mediums that at the heart of it, what makes a great story? It's very hard to tell. Sometimes the what makes a great story is kind of random. It's very subjective. And a lot of that is actually based on audience, perhaps a large uh, base of audience. And I think that's where we, we come in because the top IPs or top intellectual properties, uh, content intellectual properties, not the technology IP, the content, the IPs, why this is great is not because I like it. It's, it's not because my uh, my teammates love it. It's because a million people, they, they love the content. They love the story. They, they feel emotionally attached to it. And we can see that through the, the numbers. We can see that through the comments. We can see that through the interaction between the readers and, and the writers. And those reasons why this story is a great story would become very apparent Whereas you look at uh, traditional publishing or traditional uh, entertainment production, they don't have that feedback from the audience. They only have that feedback after the content is being produced, not before. So we as a company, we, we have that advantage because the content is validated before we invested in uh, the adaptation in movie or TV shows. Now, with that in mind, what do you think that businesses and companies can learn from this aspect of storytelling to tell their own stories and communicate their own values and missions? Is there an element of storytelling in culture that 
they would be able to distill key learnings from and apply to themselves? I think what we have seen uh, on our platform is we are, in a way, a little bit ahead of the curve. What I mean by that is we can detect trends or social behavior or social trends much faster than anybody else because we see this in real time. As an example, perhaps not directly relevant to, to your, your question, but this example in a way is can illustrate why we are ahead of the curve. A few years ago, we, we started to, to see a hashtag uh, trending on our platform called uh, Angry Mermaid. So we, we, we're scratching our head, like we, we don't understand what that is. And when we dig deeper, it, it seems like people start to become very interested in story with that theme. And we start to talk about this with some of our partners, entertainment. They were scratching their head as well, but they listened. And, and guess what? A few months later, a, a year later, that really becoming a meme on the internet and becoming a trend in, in Hollywood as well. So what I want to say is nowadays, the unlike the old days, uh, the, the culture, the social behavior, the trends, in the old days, it was very top-down. You know, the mass media company, they created the trends. But I think the social internet in the past 15 years completely flipped this model around. A lot of that content or trends or hashtag or, or memes, they are not designed by five people or 10 people in the boardroom and imposed on the audience. A lot of the trends are, are grassroots. And I think this is great because it's more authentic. This is coming from the users, coming from the audience. I think it's actually much more powerful. And I, I think as, as a company, perhaps uh, not just including us, but also broadly speaking for entertainment companies, or I, I would even say business in general, it's great because you can leverage that audience data, leverage that insight, and make sure the message that you communicate to your customer or your audience are resonating with what they are thinking rather than imposing an idea on, on them. In the age of the pandemic, our collective hunger for and consumption of media has become ravenous. Studios and media platforms are barely keeping pace with the increasing demand for content. Wattpad is a fascinating solution to this, harnessing the power of community and user-generated content to satiate our never-ending appetite. What is truly powerful about them is that they're not only providing a platform to tell more stories, but a wider spectrum of them. Think gay wizard teen dramas, Afrofuturist romances, storylines that deviate from traditional structure and themes. Now, as we've seen throughout history, stories are often told through the lens of the powerful. They control the narrative and how we see ourselves reflected throughout history and in the world. And that can have an incredible, lasting impact. With the help of machine learning, Alan and his team are trying to create a more democratic, inclusive world. Now we talk about the subjectivity amongst decision makers who are essentially gatekeepers to what we have access to and what gets published or produced into a film. Do you think that this democratization or socialization of storytelling and content has allowed you to tell a more diverse spectrum of stories from you know different writers that may be part of minority groups or, or different communities that may not have had a platform traditionally to tell their own stories or perspectives? Absolutely. The uh, what I guess it's no secret in Hollywood and also in publishing, and I, I would say in uh, many other businesses as well. Using Hollywood as an example, a lot of decision makers they are white male, right? So this is 
historically how it happened and it just it becomes a feedback loop that is on itself. So what changed through Wattpad and other social media is like we discussed, the information, the flow, a trending hashtag is, uh, is grassroots, it's coming from the audience. And that way, it actually allows much more diversified voices to be heard because resources is coming from everywhere on, on the planet. As an example, a few years ago, the most trending story in India was written by a Filipino writer living in New Zealand, uh, writing in English. Just let us sink in for one second. In the old days, this would not have the chance to to happen, right? Because of the connection of the internet, because people are able to find audience, doesn't matter where you are, as long as you are on the internet, a content creator in South America can find an audience in Iceland just as easily as finding an audience in Australia. So that automatically enable a lot of the different voices on the internet to, to be serviced. That's very interesting. And so building into this the aspect of community, it's obviously a very, very important part of Wattpad and the business and harnessing the feedback from community. How do you think companies can harness and cultivate passionate communities and fan bases on their own? The internet, uh, especially the social internet, allowed us to directly interact with our, whether it's customers or, or users or audience. I think that's, of course, a very important aspect. But I would also say the company itself also have to mirror the behavior or the demographics of your target customers or audience as much as possible. So, for example, we know that uh, our users are very diverse, both geographically and demographically. We also know that we are a little bit skewed more towards female audience than male audience. So it was very conscious decision for us a few years ago to invest more heavily in building a diversified team. Now, going through this, we recognize the impact it can have on our business because we just make decisions uh, quite, quite differently, to be frank simply because we can see things in a much broader perspective. So I guess the lessons learned here is the technology, the internet, really enable us to listen to our customer or audience much better than before. But at the same time, you also have to build the team to mirror that as much as possible so that you understand that perspective. Right. You also mentioned IP, intellectual property, previously. Do you think that intellectual property within the context of creating content and art, do you think that's a new form of commerce and capital, especially as we automate and incorporate more technology into our businesses? Yeah, I think the art form, the the IP is constantly, constantly evolving. I I don't think that we would get away from the, the big media types like reading, uh, audio, visual content. But within those big buckets, there continue will be uh, a lot of innovations. For example, a video existed for over 100 years, but the way we consume movie, the way movie are being produced, the, the way a YouTube video becoming exploded, and now TikTok, the, the more short-form performance-based video, uh, primarily on mobile, in a way is a new art form that 
didn't exist before. So I think that will continue to evolve when we see maybe mobile would evolve into uh, a very different type of devices. Even if you look at a mobile phone today, the iPhone 11 is very, very different than the first iPhone, even though the form factor is the same. But from a functionality perspective, drastically different, right? So whenever we have that enabling technology, and I'm convinced that the enabling technologies will continue to evolve, that will enable a new art form, new types of IP. And I think this guy is the limit. Yeah, I think it's interesting the way that you frame this content that's created through social media as an, as an art form, because I guess that's not an approach that I kind of ever considered it, but it is interesting to frame it through that kind of lens. So you use artificial intelligence to identify key elements that are potential indicators of success and performance. And, you know, in the case of Wattpad, the next bestseller or the next hit TV show or movie, how does that work within the company? How can you give an example of, you know, what that looks like and how that performs and functions? Yeah, happy to spend a few minutes on, on this. I try to uh, compress this as much as possible. Uh, it's not easy to explain in layman's term in a couple of minutes, but I'll try my best. So we collect over a billion data points per day, a piece of comment, each uh, message, and even the content itself, of course, is a data point. And then and how people interact, how quickly, for example, how quickly the people would uh, post the first comment is also a data point. So based on a lot of the data, we can kind of deconstruct the data and derive different results out of that. So at the moment, technology is mostly based on the content itself, but we are also investing in analyzing the, the comments and, and messages. So back to the content, there are a few things that we can do. First of all, perhaps I'll give you three or four examples. Number one, we teach the machine what high quality content is we use some classic books uh, but we also use some of the content on our platform that we hand curate we use human to decide oh this is a great story so let's teach the machine this is a great story and we have uh, if not thousands of content feed into the machine in multiple languages so the machine would help us by understanding the good content they can give us a quality index of a piece of content if we ask the machine so this this is a little bit too technical right now, but natural language processing. So the machine can deconstruct the sentence. And in fact, it does not have the concept of language. So it can deconstruct the sentence. And that's why we can apply the same technology in English or French or any other language that we like. So we, we leverage that to, to help us find the highest quality content on our platform. And that can help us in so many ways in content recommendation to finding the the jams out of the half a million uploads every day that we can potentially turn into movies or TV shows. The second thing is find similar stories uh, based on whether it's past hits or based on whatever the criteria is. So for example, we discover a a piece of uh, science fiction that we really like. We can tell the machine, hey, find us more similar to this science fiction and the machine will hunt that down for us. So again, it's really helpful in discovering new content. Two more examples that I can give. One is we now can tell the emotional arc in a story. We can even tell the writer, hey, a typical science fiction, the emotional arc looks like a bell curve, but your story arc is uh, exactly opposite. If you can fix it, we can perhaps your story would become more popular. So this type of intelligence, it didn't quite exist before, but now because we have the 
the amount of content on our platform that we can analyze. You really need a lot of content to train the machine before it is able to do that. So this is pretty advanced. And lastly, uh, we can use the machine to identify themes. As an example, now we can use the machine without telling the machine what that is, give the machine a piece of content. The machine is able to tell us, hey, it looks like a science fiction. So we don't even have to rely on human to identify or categorize the content. The, the machine can do this programmatically. So the, these are just some examples. Every day we are increasingly finding new use case of the machine, but the key is now we can understand content programmatically. In addition to human, the combination of the two, both human and the machine, is extremely powerful. I would love to see what that looks like from a visual standpoint, because you mentioned that science fiction kind of has like a bell curve arc to it. It would be so fascinating to see what a, a teen romance looks like or a mystery or a horror and how they are similar and also different. That would be so fascinating, I think. I can tell you that a lot of the stories, they have a good cliffhanger at the end. It would be a good one. <laughs> Artificial intelligence continues to have a larger impact on our lives. Even on this podcast, we've spoken with leaders who have applied AI to their respective fields. ClearBake founder Michelle Romano uses AI to power and finance the next generation of world-changing entrepreneurs. And epidemiologist Dr. Cameron Kahn uses it to detect the rise of infectious diseases around the world. It's clear that technology and machine learning has the ability to transform everything we know. So... In a world where so much of our lives have become automated, what becomes our new form of currency? Intellectual property, creativity, imagination. Wattpad uses AI to leverage these facets to map out the next big hit. Their machine learning has the ability to recognize patterns and structures that have traditionally resulted in success and what that data looks like. For example, the emotional arc in a science fiction typically looks like a bell curve. But if we rely too much on machines, do we risk losing our individuality? In Alan's perspective, it's about working with technology to harness data and make better decisions. I mean, with that in mind, if you've been able to create a formula or an algorithm that's around these potential bestsellers and, and indicators of success and patterns, do you run the risk of homogenizing content at all? Do you lose any of the artistry when you apply these applications or perhaps the ability to find a piece of work that may deviate from those typical traditional structures, but also be the next success as well? Very good question. I think one thing very clear is we do not outsource the content expertise to, to the machine. We use the machine as a tool, a very, very powerful tool to enable us to do our job better. Because at the end of the day, even though I said Hollywood or publishing have been 100% based on subjectivity, I still believe some form of subjectivity is good. But if the machine can enable us to make better decisions, make better judgment calls, I think that would be the ideal, especially uh, given the volume of content, helping us to finding gems in a sea of content, it would be super, super helpful. So I don't I don't believe the problem that you talk about uh, would become a problem unless we rely on the machine 100% without going through any human creation or human judgment. Then it would become a problem because the machine would become self-biased very quickly. 
However, we always want to apply a, a pair of human eyes. Whether sorry can be adaptable to to a movie, for example, you still need to apply that creative lens and visualize the 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 content. Visualize how it would become adapted. And someone has to do that job. I just don't believe machine, at least not in the current state of the art, are able to to do that. And I guess it's a matter of distinguishing the balance between artificial intelligence and technology and human input and how you decide to to dance between the two of those. Yeah, they, these two are not mutually exclusive. In fact, they are extremely complementary. The lack of data has been causing the industry a lot of bias with the combination, the combination of human and data would actually help us eliminate that bias. However, if we skew too much towards data, it would have a similar effect, just like in the past. So I also want to talk about you've throughout all of this um, and the journey of building a company like Wattpad, you've managed to keep your headquarters here in Canada. Why has that been important to you as a leader and as a business to stay here in Canada and in Toronto and build your company, build a global company out of Canada? Well, one of the main reasons is why I live here and I love to, to live here. I love to continue to live here. So I think selfishly speaking, that's one of the reasons. Huh? But half joking aside, I also believe uh, Toronto is one of the greatest places to, to build a company like ours. Because for many reasons, Toronto is one of the largest technology centers in the world. Of course, we, we all know Silicon Valley is much bigger. But outside of the Silicon Valley, I think Toronto is definitely one of the top cities to do that. So we have a lot of talents, a very supportive government, a lot of great schools that come out, lots of great engineers. So building a technology company in Toronto is, is great. At the same time, Toronto is also the... The entertainment center in Canada and perhaps uh, one of the largest entertainment centers in the world. Uh, as we all know, a lot of the movies, they are produced in Toronto. So we also have talent from the entertainment perspective. At the same time, of course, preaching to the choir uh, for us living in Toronto, we all know uh, more than half the population were born outside of Canada. And if I want to build a global business, but uh, I don't want to have 50 different offices of equal size across the world, then uh, finding a city that has a very diversified demographics would be super, super helpful. So Toronto is also one of the top, probably the top in the world from this perspective. So I have to say a pinpoint one reason, but there are many, many good reasons that we chose to build the, the company in Toronto. Yeah, it's certainly a lot of really incredible positives that we can gain from building companies here. And as you said, it's such a, a diverse community where you're able to really glean insights that encompass a whole spectrum of perspectives. But there's also been a lot of frustration from the startup, the tech community in terms of being able to grow a company and scale a company. As someone that's built a company and contributes back to the tech ecosystem, what do you think could be added and provided to help cultivate a growing and thriving tech ecosystem and make sure that we are able to not only keep our talent, but also attract new talent from outside of Canada? There are two different points that I want to make. Number one, as much as Toronto is great, there's one thing that we are missing. At least uh, we were missing when comparing us to Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley has been the consistently producing a lot of companies like Google, Airbnb, Facebook, tech giants. They have 
a ton of experience and an amazing track record. If you look at Toronto, if you look at Canada, perhaps our track record is not that great uh, from the tech giant perspective. We've never produced uh, anything like Facebook or Google, not at that scale. However, we're starting to see a lot of growth stage companies, tech companies in Toronto these days. Uh, that's, it wasn't the case even like 10 years ago, or I would even say five years ago. And now we have at least one tech giant called Shopify. And of course, technically it's an Ottawa-based company, but the team in Toronto is large as the one in, in Ottawa. So uh, I think my point is to continue to build the ecosystem. We need the experience of many people who have done this over and over again many times before, right? So now that we have quite a few companies at scale in Toronto, it is becoming less and less of a problem because growing a company from zero to, say, 50 or 100 employees is one thing. Growing from 100 to 1,000 or 10,000 is a completely different skill set. To be honest, we were quite lacking in that area, but it's much less of a problem right now. I, I would also say, in addition to the experience, I think moving forward, especially given what's happening from around the world, a lot of people, they actually choose to come to Toronto. We are interviewing a, a lot of people. They want to move away from their home country and Toronto or Canada is one of the top destinations. So I, I really appreciate the Global Talent Stream, the Fast Track Visa program that the federal government helped uh, put together a couple of years ago. Many, many companies, including Wattpad, could benefit and are benefiting from this program. I think Canada would become a magnet to attract talents from all over the world to, to come here. And we are seeing this already happening. I have so many other questions I, I would love to ask you in terms of building a company and leadership. But I think at the end of the day, you've been able to grow an incredible company, an incredible brand. Uh, you've been able to build one, as you mentioned, that is very diverse internally and is reflective of a leader that is also a person of color and a community that is very diverse too. What are you most excited about when it comes to WAPAD's future and your plans to take over the world? <laughs> yeah, I, I think the most exciting part is we are doing something very unique. We are a lot of the things that we do are kind of first time in the universe that someone has done this. And we apply this to uh, not creating a new industry, but applying this to entertainment, applying this to publishing, applying this to storytelling, which is perhaps one of the older or perhaps one of the oldest industry. If you look at storytelling, probably very old art form, uh, starting from the, the caveman drawing pictures. And so I think to me, that's very, very exciting because I'm not doing something that someone has done before. It really helped me. I can speak for my teammates as well, uh, why they work for WordPress is because it's very mind stimulating. So I think that's, to me, is super, super exciting. And being able to do this from Toronto is also, of course, very exciting as well. And you know, as you continue to build and going from day one, how have you been able to get people on board with your mission? You've been at it since 2007. You're growing your brand. How do you get people on board with the big picture of what you and your team are looking to accomplish? There's so many different aspects to touch on some of that. Building a very diversified company is helpful. But I would also say having transparency 
is very, very important, especially as the company scales. It's actually very, very hard to do to align everyone in the company to row in the same direction. At the same time, I think I'm probably, from a transparency perspective, on a more, more transparent side. So even like the master plan, you know, I post this not just internally, but also post this uh, publicly. In a way, it's holding myself accountable for very strong vision. But at the same time, because there's so much content like the master plan that I share both externally and internally, in a way, it also helps align everyone. Because, you know, if you ask any employee in, in the company, as part of the interview process, uh, we ask them to read the master plan before they talk to me. So I think that's super helpful in bringing everyone together. Sounds like a very simple and subtle thing, but it's important because everyone knows really well what the division of the company is. Everyone knows really well what the mission is. And it's not just a sentence that we put up on, on the wall. You know, we have uh, like the master plan to explain this in, in great detail. In fact, internally, you know, there are many documents that I wrote that I share with the company kind of repeatedly to explain uh, all these subtle and nuances uh, in, in, in the master plan. So I think that constant communication to the team is, is Super helpful in bringing everyone together. Well, with that to finish off, I really appreciate you being able to chat with us today. It's been very fascinating, inspiring, and just very educational to learn about what you're building and the values that you have. I think it's so important for companies to be, as you say, transparent, but also communicate their values internally and externally, because I think that's truly how we make our decisions now as consumers, as audiences, and how we decide to align ourselves with the companies that are out there. So it's really great to hear what you're doing and how you're making an impact within your industry and within Canada. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Alan. Thank you so much for inviting me. Telling a great story, one that is compelling, grabs your attention and is something that you remember is not really that different from building a great company. It means having a point of view, listening to the world around you, building a community, listening to them and making informed, validated decisions based on the information in front of you. Alan's story includes the story of Wattpad, which has given over 90 million people a platform to come together and tell stories that are meaningful to them. That in and of itself is a meaningful evolution in the great and ever-changing tradition of storytelling. Next week on Mission Critical, we speak with Toronto Raptors head coach Nick Nurse about giving back, handling pressure, and how to create a championship-winning team on and off the court. Each season again, presents its own challenges, and that's kind of the goal that's back in front of you, regardless of what's happened in the past. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the word out. To keep up to date, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, ask yourself, what's your mission?